Hey, I'm so, so excited for next week and this next uh, month that we'll be going throughout the movie series. Uh, always the best time uh, to invite uh, a, a friend, a guest, so bring somebody with you. Uh, next few weeks is going to be great. Uh, some great movies planned out, and um, I, I, just, I know everyone's asking, like, when's the next one happening? Well, it's happening, and so be, be prepared, be ready. I know you're going to like it, and you're going to enjoy it. So that starts next Sunday. All right. Um, hey, welcome to The Grove. For all you don't know me, my name's Eric Matoya, Pastor The Grove, and I'm really, I'm really glad you're here today. Um, you know, this Tuesday, we have something very important happening, right? Uh, elections are coming up. And um, I thought it'd be very appropriate for us to talk about what is our role um, as a church, what is our role as individuals, as Christ followers, when it comes to elections, to voting, and just other civic duties that we have as, as, as citizens of the United States. And uh, I wanted to address that. So uh, let me just say this off the bat, all right? Um, some of us in this room, you might be thinking, man, uh, you really can talk about politics? And the truth is this. Every single week, we address politics in one way or another. Uh, because here's the thing. As Christians, we are submitting to a, a greater kingdom, and our, our, our lordship is to somebody else that, that's not an American. And it's to the kingdom of God, and, and we're, we're declaring that God is he's lord over, over everything. And so every single day as we live as Christians, it's actually a political day because we're saying um, our Lord is God, is Christ. And so as we, as we think about politics, it's not just a one time. It's, it's a, it should be a daily thing that we're saying, all right, when, when it comes to who I'm going to follow and, and what kingdom and what, um, what government, we as Christians say number one is God, and then everything else, it, it falls in line after that. And then there is there is things the Bible says that we need to do when it comes to our, 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 um, our role in society, uh, how we, we're supposed to submit to authorities um, that, that are in place and the right order that, that follows after that. Um, but so as we talk about this, just know um, this should be an ongoing thing all the time when you realize at some point everything you do is in some ways political and other because you're, you're bending your knee, you're surrendering to some other kingdom, whether it's the kingdom of God or some, something else. And so today as I, as I speak about this, um, our role in society, just know this, there's, there's primarily two different ears that are hearing this, right? There's a lot more ears than two, uh, but the two that I'm really going to address is, is if you're not a Christian, and, and as I speak, uh, if, if I ever am saying something that's addressed to Christians, um, if you're not a Christ follower and you don't, you're not following Christ, uh, please don't take offense. I'm addressing that to somebody that says, I want to follow Christ. And when, when somebody says, I want to be a Christian and follow his ways, well, the Bible says that we should be challenged to do that. Um, and so somebody that says, I'm a Christian, and doesn't live that way, they need to be challenged to say, no, you need to live the way the Bible tells us we should live. And so sometimes when we address things, um, if you're not aware of that, you might think, you might be offended that I'm telling you something you should do, where really, you don't have to. That's your choice. Um, and then even as Christians, it's still your choice, but the Bible is very clear that we should be following his, his way. And so as I speak, primarily today, I'm going to speak directly to Christians. So if you're not a Christian, I say something that offends you. Um, I'm probably not even really talking directly to you because you have, you, you have the right to pick and choose what I, what I say today. But if you're a Christian, I'm going to hopefully challenge you to say, what is our role as Christ followers in the United States in 2018? Um, more specifically, on November uh, 6th, as we come up to that, and what is our role beyond that? And, and, and so I'll be talking about that. So if I ever say something um, in service that maybe does offend you, uh, just know um, in those moments, if, if it's directed to a Christian and you're not a Christian, don't be offended. Um, we can have a conversation. You want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. And if I ever do say something that has, you have a question about or it, it is offensive to you, I would love to have a conversation about it. Because here's the thing that doesn't happen enough is when somebody says something, we don't go and figure out exactly what that meant. We just assume and we run with it. And that can be very dangerous. And so right now in... Um, in our climate in the United States, uh, we live in a very dangerous climate uh, because what's happened is there's uh, two – the sides have been drawn, right? And there's two polar opposite 
um, and, and it's very polarized right now. So you have one extreme against the other extreme, and everything that, that they do um, is, is scrutinized by the other side, and it's picked apart, and, it's, and, and they're blamed for everything that's not working. And both sides do this, all right? Uh, but here's what I find. In, in majority of people, actually, they fall more in the middle. They're more moderate. And so the majority of the of, of United States uh, citizens, uh, Americans, they, they find fall more in the middle. So there are some extremes, um, but most are in the middle. And this is the beauty of, of a, d- a democratic society. A, a democracy is is that aggregation is this idea that the, the, the averages will balance out. So even though you have these two extremes, we don't have to be fearful because as long as the majority is using their voice and using their influence, it should balance out where we don't have two crazy extremes uh, because typically the extremes is where we get ourselves in trouble. And so um, as Americans, if we do our, our, our duty, our, 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 the privilege we have to vote, we should have a, a, a more of a balanced outlook and view. Um, in fact, um, some of the different laws that have passed, there's some I don't agree with. Uh, majority of people would say I don't agree with these certain laws. The problem is not that um, they don't agree with or don't disagree with. They don't vote. And so what happens is some laws that everybody would say I don't agree with actually get passed because they don't vote. Um, I read a statistic, and this is really sad because out of um, Christians, and our, our job is to be an influence in society, um, that sometimes only 25% of people that would say I'm a, a Christ follower or Christian actually vote. Um, so the reason I want to talk about this today is because I want to say that that can't be us as a church. We can't be that 25%. In fact, if you're able to vote, I would say get out and vote, and we'll talk about that and what that means, um, because we should be influencing society and influencing culture. Um, and here's, here's the thing. So today as I talk about this, um, the challenge is how can I get more people to say what is our role in society and what can we do? Because uh, the problem is really the problem is this. The church has lost its voice in the United States, and it's our own fault. Uh, because we created a, a bubble and a protective uh, I, uh, isolation of, of, uh, from society where we do our own thing. And as long as it doesn't affect us, then you're okay and we're not going to really, you know. And, and what's happened is we lost voice and a platform to be able to speak into people's lives. And a lot of times the sad thing is for Christians, this is what happens in our circles of influence. Is we pull away from people that are not like us more and more. And we're only around people that are like us. And we lose the ability to speak into those people's lives and lose the influence. And so um, hopefully today I'm going to challenge us as a church to say, what would it look like? If all of us would say, and we look around and say, what influence do I have, and how can I use that influence for a lot of good? How can I be my life count to make a difference to those around me? Because um, here's the thing. When it comes to politics, everybody wants to change the White House. Everybody. They have their opinion. They want to change what's happening there. But the sad truth is too few of us actually will change our own house. So everyone wants to change the White House, but too many are unwilling to change their own house. And change always starts with us as individuals. And, here, and if you will allow God to change and work in your life um, and, and lead you, you'll begin to see that it doesn't matter what's happening around the world, you'll be able to use your life in such a way that would make an impact and a greater difference. Uh, we have a lot of hope in Scripture. So as, as you look at the, the political climate, we look at the United States and even the direction we're going in different ways, uh, some people get very freaked out about what, what could be and where it could be heading. Um, and, and others, they're, they're just... They don't care. They're like, whatever, we'll see however it goes. And they don't have a voice. They don't do anything about it. Um, but the thing in the Bible we see is there was, there was a lot of situations in the, in the Bible where, where Christ followers were under severe persecution and did not live in a free society like we have and didn't have freedom of religion like we have. And they thrived and they had peace. I mean, Paul's a great example of this, right? He's living in, in a society that um, is trying to stop everything he's doing. In the middle of it, he's living his life in such a way that it makes an impact. Um, and he's not fearful, he's not afraid, because he knows that what, what's happening now and what we're going through is temporary. 
Um, the, the political climate is temporary. And what I mean by that is one day you'll be dead and I'll be dead, and, and there'll be something that, that follows after that. And as Christians, what we have to always be saying is, yes, it's important that what we do now, we should, that should matter, and we should use our life for influence. But don't forget there's a bigger story going on, and this was Paul's thing. He's, he's, he, he was aware there's a larger thing going on, and yes, he's going to use his life for good in the, in the, in the Roman uh, government and the, the, the Roman kingdom there um, and do whatever he could. But at the end, really he's going to stand before God one day, and he's going to say, okay, my life, did I, did I serve you? Were, you? were you Lord and king of my life, or did I just do my own thing? And too many people focus so much on politics and so much on the White House that they actually forget that you're not even living the life you should be living here and now. And if you miss that, the White House and politics will only be a distraction away from actually making a difference with your life. And my hope is that we would say, all right, help us to have the eyes to see that what's going on is way bigger than just red or blue. Right now, we'd be able to move into that. So today, I hope that I'll I'll challenge you. But my challenge would be this: is, is as we listen, would you would you start with your own house? Would you start with yourself? I mean by by that, is start with yourself. Would you would you begin to as we talk through these different points, ask yourself these questions: Am I am I living the life that I'm supposed to be living? Am I am I living having the influence I'm supposed to be having to those around me? And if we all did that, we'd begin to see that we'd actually have more influence in society and have bring about more good if we would just be aware that we have a voice to those around us. Yeah, we might have a voice now to, to speak into certain larger uh, parts of the government, but if we would be faithful in, our, in the part we do have, we'd begin to grow that influence even more. Uh, so start, start today. Um, so here's the thing when it comes to, to politics. We always have to keep people before politics. All right, don't ever forget that. Relationships matter. Don't, don't let... Um, What's going to take place on Tuesday, destroy relationships between family and friends, um, because relationships, they, they, they are stronger. They're, they're more important than just politics, and we can't lose that. Because uh, here's the truth. What people really need is hope, not another debate. All right? And so as we get into Tuesday and what happens on Tuesday and after Tuesday, people don't need more debates. Uh, they need hope. And, and, and the world's looking for hope. And that's one of the things that, that Christ is, is given to us. It says, you are going to go and you're going to extend the hope that I've given to others and live your life in such a way that you'll make a difference like that. Because uh, here's the truth. A lot of Christians, they mean well, but they don't always love well. And when it comes to politics, I think this is one of those cases where I think a lot of Christians, they mean well, but what, what they say is not thought through well and, and it, it's not spoken well and it comes across wrong. And instead of loving, they actually, instead of having the opportunity to speak about their, their opinion and speak about what they think, it actually cuts off and closes, it, it burns bridges and it puts walls up between people that they never be able to speak into the life of those people. So instead of debating, what if we learn to, to, to love well? Um, and then when it comes to, to politics in the country and, and family and wherever you're at, whenever there's confusion, uh, the Bible is very clear that God is a God of order, not never of disorder. And God is a, a God of order and, and never confusion. Uh, but we do know who is, the, who is behind confusion all the time. That's the enemy, the original terrorist who wants to bring confusion and wants to bring disorder in all things. So when there is disorder, you have to ask the question, who's behind the confusion, who's behind the disorder, and how can we be aware of that, that there's something bigger going on here. It's not just uh, people. There's sometimes it's a spiritual dynamic at play in that. Um, so here's the, here's the thing when it comes to, um, to politics and when it comes to Tuesday when we vote. Um, we're, we're in our small group season right now. And uh, I'm, I'm in a leadership group, and, and it's a great group. And we're working through one of John Maxwell's leadership books. Um, and one of the things that, that I do is, is, is our group, we also send out podcasts to listen and interact and talk about just learning to be better leaders. And one of his podcasts, he talks about leadership blind spots. And he talks about how every leader has them. And, um, um, and, and here's the, he says this, the number one blind spot that a leader has is a singular perspective. 
This is how we started, started with, with all the different blind spots he talks about. There's other ones, but the, the, the one that's the most dangerous is a singular perspective. Somebody that only sees one way and is not aware that there's other things happening around us. Um, and when, when we talk about leadership, here's the thing as, as a church that we need to realize is we're all in some ways called to lead and to influence people. Uh, we're called that. That's, if you're a Christ follower, you don't have the option not to lead. You, you've been called to be an influencer to those around you. And so if you see yourself as a leader, if you see yourself as an influencer, you'll actually begin to make better choices because you'll realize that you have an impact around those around you. Because the truth, the, 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 the fact is, it's not that if you're having an influence, it's the question is, is your influence positive or negative? Because you are. Every time you walk in a room, you influence that room in a positive way or a negative way. Um, and, and Christ is saying, as, as Christ followers, we need to be those kind of people that influence in a positive way, that bring, bring hope, that bring uh, a, a better way of, of looking at things. Um, and so it's like driving a car. You know, um, When you're in a car, you have blind spots in your car, right? There's these certain parts you can't see kind of because of your peripheral, but also because of windows and things like that. And so typically, most people, when you're in a blind spot and you don't know if somebody's there, you actually speed up, right? But the, the right thing, the healthy thing to do is actually to slow down, to like not make that decision until you are sure. You don't just speed up and go. And too, too many times in, in our culture, unaware of our blind spots, instead of slowing down and saying, hey, what am I not seeing? We just speed up even faster in, the right, in, in a lot of times the wrong direction without even thinking about how this is having an impact. So we have to be, in, be aware of what we don't see. Um, and a blind spot is just the inability to see, to think, and feel what others see, think, and feel, and to be able to con- convey that and communicate that. And as you look at the, the climate we're in politically, you see this um, when people are talking about uh, what they believe and, th- and their different opinions, right? That there's a singular perspective on these, these issues, and they're, they're not aware that there's possibly other ways, and even better ways that we've never even thought about handling things. Uh, but because of uh, the way it's been, because of different reasons, they get stuck in this singular perspective. And so for us, we have to be aware of that. We all have blind spots. Um, and if you don't think you have a blind spot, then you really have to be careful because that is the, probably even worse than, than, than having blind spots is not knowing you have blind spots because you're going to hurt a lot of people in the process. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example, all right? Um, there's a picture I'm going to put up behind me. It's, it's, a, it's a game called Checkers, right? And in this game, Checkers, um, um, there, there's, I, I, I always just thought there was one way to play Checkers. You know there's more than one way to play Checkers? Um, in fact, I think it's probably, there's probably unlimited ways to play Checkers if you're really creative. You can figure out how to establish new rules and do things. But there's one way that typically we play, right? It's, it's whoever conquers the board first, whoever can take the pieces. Uh, well, I learned of a new way to play checkers. It's, it's whoever can lose their pieces first. And, and as I read about this, it's really interesting, right? So the only rule is, is if, if there's a vulnerable piece, you have to take it. That's the only rule. So you can't, like, not take a piece if it's in front of you. You, have to, you, have to, you can't make a different move. You have to make that move to take that person's piece. So the whole idea is you, you try to lose your pieces before, every, before your opponent loses their pieces, and when I thought about life, I said that's a great perspective of, of, of our world and the kingdom of God. So when you, whenever you're going to keep score, really the score you should be keeping is how much have I given? How much have I, have I given away from, from, from myself? Paul said this statement. He says, I'm living my life as a, as a pouring out my whole life as, as an offering to God. Like I'm using every bit of energy, every ounce of energy, every, every ounce of influence to help others. Like he's going to leave the earth knowing he gave everything he had. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, really that's the perspective. God is saying, I want people who can be givers. I want people who can add life, who can add value to others. And in our, in, in our world, unfortunately, too many times the dominating um, way of playing the game of life is to take as much as you can, as often as you can, whenever you can. Um, and, and that's the way we learn it. But there's a lot of ways. And I learned there's another, another uh, Russian way they play. You line up the checkers and you try to like knock the other person's 
checkers off first, right? And you make this line and you have to conquer the board. Pretty interesting. There's all these different ways to play checkers. I didn't know that until I began to read about it. Because why? I had a singular perspective on the game. And I thought, this is the only way to play checkers. When the truth is, no, there's actually a lot of ways and there's a lot of different approaches. But because we get stuck on things, sometimes we miss what's out there. It's like a story I heard uh, after World War II. A general and his young lieutenant, they boarded a train on the way to England. And, and the only seats that were, were left were across from a beautiful young lady and her grandmother. So the general and the lieutenant, they, they sat facing the women. And as the train pulled out, it went through this long tunnel. And for about 10 seconds, there was total darkness. And in the silence of that moment, um, those on the train, they heard two things. They heard a kiss and they heard a slap, right? So there's a kiss and a slap. Everyone on the train had his or her own perception of what had happened. So the young lady, she thought to herself, man, I'm flattered that the lieutenant kissed me, but I'm terribly embarrassed that my grandma hit, hit him. Now the grandmother, she thought, I'm aggravated that that young man kissed my granddaughter, but I'm proud that she had the courage to retaliate. Now the general, he sat there thinking to himself, man, my lieutenant, he showed a lot of guts in kissing that girl, but why did she slap me by mistake? So the lieutenant was the only one on the train who really knew what happened. In that brief moment of darkness, he had the opportunity to kiss a pretty girl and slap his general. (laughs) You don't get those options often. Singular perspective. We all see things a certain way. Um, And really, if we're honest, we we all have blind spots. We we don't see what's going on all the time. And here's the challenge for us is we have to be aware of that when it comes to to life, when it comes to the way we we approach things. We have to learn from from others. We have to be open to others. We have to to build relationships to learn. Um, And and, and the good news is God has the perspective we need. Uh, It's kind of like, oh, I talked to somebody this week and they said, you know, Pray for me that God would help me to like see above my circumstance. He says, because what it feels like is I'm always just looking up for my circumstance. I don't really know what's going on. Like I'm in the middle of this and I can't see. Just pray that God would help me to see above. And there's a great picture of what God does to us when we follow him. He helps us to elevate and see like, oh, wow, all these things are going on, not just that one thing. And too many times we have a singular perspective and we only focus on this one thing. We miss everything else that's going around us. We can't do that as Christ followers. We need to be aware that there's something more. Proverbs 29, 18 says like this. Where there is no vision, in, in the translation that in Amplified it says that, that vision means no revelation of God and his word. So when you don't understand like what God's doing, uh, the people are unrestrained. So they, they throw off restraint. All right? But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. So this picture is this. When somebody doesn't have a clear vision for their life, they're going to throw off any kind of restraint that would actually help them accomplish that. So they're going to borrow more money than they could, they could handle because it doesn't matter. They'll cast it off. They're going to have more fun in different areas of their life that's going to cause more pain because they cast off any kind of restraint. Well, in our society, we know this. Whenever you take off any kind of restraint, it never goes in a good direction. If you give somebody too much freedom too soon, they, they, they don't know how to manage that. And our society over and over and over wants to do that. They want to take off these restraints. They want to say we should be able to do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. And the Bible is very clear. When that happens, people are they're, they're destroyed for it. Because there needs to be this direction to saying, hey, there's something better. There's something better for us if we'll keep a perspective. I love how the message uh, paraphrase says it like this, this verse. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. It's this great picture of somebody in the dark, right? They can't see what's happening. They can't see what God's doing. So all they're doing is they're stumbling in the dark. They're stumbling over themselves. They're stumbling over the circumstances. They're stumbling over everything that, that is, in, is in their way. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So, the, so the, the, the guy that's writing the Proverbs here, he's saying, when people don't know what God's doing, 
man, they're, they're in the dark. They're, they're, they're a loss. But when they understand what God is doing, it's like they can see clearly, and they're most blessed, they're most happy, they're most fulfilled because they are following what he's revealing to us. It's like the story um, that I heard about three blind men, or uh, a group of blind men. Um, they, they saw this strange, they, they heard of this strange animal called the elephant. And so the blind men wanted to go and experience what exactly is an elephant. And so they, brought, they, they were brought to this town, um, and, and they, they brought in this elephant. And so out of curiosity, they said, we must inspect to, by touch to see what this is all about. And so one blind man, uh, he goes up to it, and the first person, he, he lays his hand on the trunk. And he said, wow, this, this, this animal is kind of like a really thick snake. Like he's a really big snake here. And then for another one, he reached out and he touched his ear. And he says, no, no, this elephant, the, the elephant must be like a fan. It's like this, this real thin, flimsy thing. It's kind of like a fan. And then for another person, his hand was on the leg, and he says, what are you guys talking about? Like, the leg is, man, it's, it's like a, a tree. It's like a trunk. Like, there's something different. This elephant is more like a tree thing. And then the other one, one pla- placed his hand on top of, um, on, on its side, and he says, wow, this, this thing, this animal is kind of like a wall. It's just solid. It's built stout. And another one felt its tail and said, no, it's like a rope. And then all of them, um, and the one felt the tusk and said, no, it's like a spear. It's something you could throw. And uh, they all had this different perspective of what an elephant was. And they all went home justified thinking, I know exactly what an elephant is. Hey, to be politically correct, this could be a donkey, right? Five, six blind men go to a donkey and they're trying to figure out what a donkey's like, right? Or an elephant, okay? I'm not trying to be politically correct. It could be an elephant or a donkey. I'm not just saying it's not subliminal, like, okay? But they all had a perspective and they all went home justified saying, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what this is. And the whole time, their perspective, yeah, was a part of it, but it wasn't the whole thing. And I think in our society, too many times, we have a little perspective, and it might be even part of what we see is true, and it's a good thing. But we miss out on all the other things that are happening with it that are tied to it. And we have to be aware, and we need wisdom. So Jesus said this. Jesus, uh, well, let me read, read, read one more um, quote um, uh, from a book called Thriving in Babylon. Um, Larry Osborne, pastor in California, he said, One of the telling marks of immaturity is a lack of perspective. A telling mark of something that's immature is a lack of perspective. So waiting is not an option. Compromise is a dirty word. Everything is equally important. There is no nuances. Everything is black and white. And the immediate consequences are the only consequences that matter. An immature person has a, a lack of perspective. And they don't think about the consequences that are long term. And as we, get, as, we, as we approach Tuesday and even future elections, like we can't have this, this perspective of all that matters is now. Like we have to vote for things that are just going to impact me. Because what's really sad is, is now we're passing things off that our kids are going to have to deal with. And, and in some cases, like, um, it, it's nothing good. Everything we're, we're giving to them is not, is not a good country, is not a good environment. There's a lot of bad things that we're passing on to them because well, it doesn't really matter right now. It's just about now. That's an immature perspective. What are we deciding to do is have an impact on the future. Um, this, this pastor and Larry, I heard him say that when his kids were young, you know, they lived close to Disneyland over in California, and um, they would, he would give them the option, you know, would you rather go to Disneyland or spend a day cleaning the garage? <laughs> of course, kids would be like, I'm going to go to Disneyland. And then as they got a little older, he would tease them and say, okay, I, here's what we'll do. Um, we can either go to Disneyland or in exchange, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for you. I'll give you a free college education. I'll give you a keys to a brand new house after graduation in exchange for helping me clean the garage. And the kids would say, no, you're crazy. I want to go to Disneyland. Why? Because they were immature and they didn't understand really what was being presented to them. And they thought, I mean, I just want now. I want fun now. Forget that, the, the free house and the free education, all that stuff. I, I just want what's good now. And too many times our society is like that. We choose immaturity over what's better, what's healthy, the long term, the long run. 
Um, and so for us as Christians, we, we have to ask God, give us wisdom so we don't lack a pers- the wrong, a perspectives that we need to have. Give us wisdom to be able to accomplish what you want. Um, here's an example of another perspective when it, when it comes to life. Uh, Matthew Henry, a theologian, uh, this is the night after he was robbed in his journal. He wrote this. Let me be thankful first because he never robbed me for, before. Second, because though he took my purse, his wallet, he did not take my life. And third, because although he took all I possessed, it was not much. And then fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. So Matthew Henry said, I have the right perspective in life. Even when something bad happens, I have to be aware that there's other ways to see really what's going on. So Jesus tells us, this. he, he goes, um, the first message, sermon that's recorded of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's found in Matthew 5, and it goes through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And, and on the Sermon on the Mount, he starts off with what's called the Beatitudes. And he says, all right, you're blessed if you do these things. So essentially he's saying, I'm going to give you a different perspective in life. Right? If, you, if you do these things, you'll, you'll be blessed. You'll be happy. You'll be fulfilled. You'll be satisfied. And he gives these, these ideas that are contrary to what you would think are, are popular and what, what doesn't sound right. But he's saying, pay attention here because I'm going to present you with something that you've been looking at the wrong way, and here's the way you're supposed to look at it. And he begins to try to change the perspective. And as soon as he goes through these Beatitudes, he jumps into this verse that, that you're probably very well, uh, aware of. It says, this is what we're called to be as, as followers of Christ, as, as people that follow God's ways. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town that's built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus says two things about being influencers. He's essentially saying, if you're going to follow me, you have to be an influencer in this world. One of the ways you're going to influence, you're going to be like salt. You know, salt for us, we, uh, it, it brings out flavors and food, right? And for us, it's not so much a preservative anymore. But back in the day, it was, salt was this amazing thing that you could preserve food if you had enough salt and you were able to do that. And Jesus says, this is, this is what you are in culture and society. You're an influencer. You're going to help preserve things so they don't go rotten. You're going to help preserve things so they don't go bad. Like you're going you're gonna to be able to make a difference with your life. But if, if you lose your saltiness, if you don't, you don't have proximity to the things that go rotten or bad, you won't be able to have an impact. And you won't be good for anything except being trampled on. And in our society now, a lot of leaders who are Christians actually don't have a voice because they have lost their ability to have influence. And he goes on and says, you're the light of the world. A town that's built on a hill, it can't be hidden. So if, if, if you're, if you're going to let your, he's saying let your light shine. And, and in this case, when he's, he's talking to the, to the primar, primarily there'd be Jewish listeners. And in, in, in Old Testament, one of the calls for the people of Israel were to be a light to the world. Like they were supposed to represent Christ. And they weren't. They were keeping it in themselves. So he says, you know, nobody puts a, a, a lamp under a bowl and hides the light. No, they let, it, they let it shine. Today's daylight savings, right? You don't save light. You don't, you don't keep it to yourself. You, you, you share it. And too many uh, of the people that day, they were hiding their light. They weren't sharing it. They were trying to save the light for themselves, keep it for themselves. And he says, that's not what you're called to do. You're called to be a light that helps others who are stumbling over themselves, stumbling over culture, stumbling over all these things. They don't know what to do. You're called to be a light to help them to see something better. He says, you should be a light to the world. Use your life to shine. And notice what he says. Let your light shine before other people so they may see your good deeds. And what happens when they see your good deeds? They begin to glorify God. So essentially they see something about God in you. And our light actually doesn't come from us. It's a reflection of God. It's God's light. Jesus said he's the light of the world. So we're shining 
the light of what we're saying Jesus to others everywhere we go. And as Christians, that's what we're called to be, influencers like salt and like light, so we can help other people to do this. See, one, one translation says that you're the salt of the earth, but if, if the salt loses its, its taste or its purpose, it's not good for anything but to be thrown out and be trampled. So don't lose your saltiness. Don't, don't lose your ability to influence others. Uh, the message paraphrase says like this. I like how you paraphrase it. Let me tell you what you're here, why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning, to bring out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If, you, if you've, lost, you, you've lost youthfulness, you'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you out there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your life. Be open. By opening up to others, you'll prompt other people to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. So you just say, you're supposed to be this influencer in life. And when you do, you're going to help others to know that there's something, a better way to approach life, to, to see life. Uh, a couple of books as I was preparing for this uh, last this last month, and even in the past, I've read these um, uh, by two, two different pastors. One's in California, one's in Birmingham. Uh, Thriving in Babylon by Larry Osborne, um, and then uh, The Daniel Dilemma by Chris Hodges. Uh, if you want to know what what does this look like in a, to, to be an influencer in our culture, and a lot of times a culture that has opposite values of what the Bible and what God tells us we should value, how do you influence that? Uh, here's two great resources if you want to be that kind of, if you want to learn that. Because here's the truth. Both these guys, are, they write about Daniel in, 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 a, in a foreign kingdom in Babylon, in a place that he should have had no influence, became one of the most influential people in that kingdom. Why? Because he was able to be an influencer, because he had some things he held on to. He never lost who he was, and he was able to, to keep the influence that God allowed him to have. So both books are written about Daniel and how we could be the kind of Daniel, that, 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 like Daniel people in our, in our society, in our culture, in our, in our world. And, and the thing is, God is calling us to be that. Wherever you're at, whatever it's school or it's, it's, it, wherever you work, your, 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 your job, uh, in, in family, um, in, in politics, if some of you are involved in that, like, like we're called to be an influence in all of these spheres of society. Um, so here's some things. When it comes to our approach, when it comes to our responses, um, when we encounter people that have a different maybe worldview, and in cultural, they, they, they see things differently. Here's five approaches I think that will help us. I got this out of the, out of the Daniel Dilemma by Chris, Pastor Chris Hodges. He says like this. So here's the five approaches. I'll read them, then we'll go through them one at a time. Um, number one is keep your standards high and your grace deep. Number two, accept people without approving of their behavior. Uh, three, never let the tone get con- contentious. Four, lead them to truth by identifying with their struggle. Five, paint the picture of what it looks like to come, for them to come home. Um, and in all of these, you'll hear that you can see that the, there's there are different parables that Jesus told that would go along with these that would help us to see what, what it's like to have truth and grace, how we can be this kind of people. So number one, um, keep your standards high and your grace deep. Here, here's a statement, all right? If, if, if there was somebody um, that, that didn't have the same standards as you, how can you show grace? It'd be something like this along the lines when you're in the conversation. You can explain that we all fall, fall short of God's standards. Like God has really high standards. I fall short of them. I mean, I have challenges, right? You and me, everybody. But let's not change his truth to fit what we want. We can't do that. We can't change the Bible to make it what we want. Let's ask God rather to change us to fit what he wants. That's why God is God and we are his creation. We're not God. He's God. He knows what's best for us and loves us enough to tell, those, tell, tell us that there's boundaries and to share those boundaries with us. Moral standards aren't man-made. They're God-given. 
So when it comes to morals, when it comes to standards, God gives those standards to protect us, to help us, not to keep us from something, but to, to lead us to something better. Uh, so that'd be one, one, one approach and one response. When, when your standards are different than somebody else's, how do you show grace? Well, you, you, you explain. We're not perfect, but he, God is trying to lead us in this direction. The second one is this. Accept people without approving of their behavior. You can still have conversation. You can still love people, even if they believe something different than you. So the conversation might be like this. Um, so in, in this conversation, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to keep us that way, to let us stay that way. He doesn't condemn us, right? Paul says he's not there to condemn. He's there to love us and help us. Um, but, he, but he does want us to change. He wants to change us. And so I think it's similar to how, how we feel about our kids, right? We, we, we love each of our kids differently and, and uniquely and unconditionally, but we still want what's best for them as an individual. It's, it's, it's not just allowing them to do whatever they want to do because they want to do it. We lead them and say, uh, just because you feel like doing it doesn't mean you should do it. And so that's what it means to, to, to help others to see like there's, there's other ways to live. Number three is never let your, the tone get contentious. You know, in, in debates, sometimes the, the, the temperature rises in a, in a conversation. If that starts happening, if you're not careful, you'll lose that relationship, and you'll never be able to talk to that person ever again because of your view or their view or the, in, the inability to see what other person sees. Maybe you can say something like this. Hey, I can tell that we're both passionate about our beliefs, but I don't want to argue about this. I'd rather have a relationship with you than win an argument. Sometimes we're too focused on just winning the conversation than actually having a conversation. He said, we can come back to this another time. We can, we can pick this up another time and talk more about it when maybe the temperature is a little less, uh, a little, a little uh, uh, cooler. So, and then you can change the subject. Tell me about your, your kids. Tell me about your job. Tell me about something else in life. And you keep the relationship. You don't let the politics, you don't let other things ruin it. And the fourth thing is this. Lead them by, I, but to truth by identifying with their struggle. Like we all were at that point at some point in our lives. Like none of us are perfect. And some of us aren't, aren't, haven't arrived there. Like we still have struggles. So, you know, you can, you can tell my struggle, too. I've, my feelings sometimes get in the way of the, the person that I, I want to be and that God wants me to be. Uh, I, 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 think, I sometimes desire things outside of God's will and what he has in my life. Um, but I've learned that I can't always change our feelings, but I can evaluate to see where they're leading us and then ask God to change us. It's inviting them to say, hey, this is not a, this, it's a, it's a human thing that we struggle with. And you begin to build those bridges to show, show we're not perfect. We, we have struggles, too. And the fifth thing is this. Paint a picture of what it looks like to come home. So when it comes to this conversation, whether it's a kid, family member, whatever, and they want to just do their own thing, and it's, it's contrary to what you believe, it's, you have to have grace and have to be able to extend to them the ability to choose for themselves. But at some point, say, all right, if you ever change your mind, if you decide that your way isn't working, that it's, that it's not what you thought, if you ever find yourself in a, in a place that's not good, a miserable place, and you want to come home, you want to have a relationship again, man, let me be the first person that you call, because I'm always willing to listen. I'm always willing to help however I can. What does that do? it leaves an open door for somebody to say, okay, this person cares for me. It's not just about find my way or no way, but it's saying, how can I, how can I be the person that's there for you? So these five approaches when, when confronting cultural challenges, um, keep your standards high and your grace deep, accept people without approving their behaviors, never let tone get contentious, lead them to truth by identifying with their struggle, paint the picture of what it looks like for them to come home. Because here's the truth, the secret to influence, right? If you don't know the secret to influence, when salt and light, the secret to influence is how we live. That's a secret. If you want to be an influencer, pay attention to the way you live. In fact, Jesus tells a parable. Um, he says this. He says, therefore, Matthew 5, and, and by the way, so the Sermon on the Mount, um, actually, I think this is, this is not Matthew 5, it's Matthew 7. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, here's how he ends his sermon. So he starts off by saying, have a different perspective. I'm going to help you have the right perspective. And then he says, and then he goes through all these teachings and he ends with this, with this parable and says that like this. 
Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So he just said, all these teachings I just shared with you, the person that takes these teachings, puts them into practice, is a wise person, because now you, have, you don't have a singular perspective. You have multiple ways to look at things, but you even have God's perspective, which is even greater. And he says, he builds his house on a rock, something that's solid foundation. So when the rains come and the streams rise and the winds blow and beat against that house, it did not fall because it had a foundation that was on a rock. Because a wise person builds on something that's solid, a solid foundation. And he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not get put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. When the rains came, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. It fell with a great crash. So a wise person builds on something solid. A foolish person just builds on sand. And whatever's, whatever's acceptable, whatever's there, just, just go for it. the easy way. Take the easy way, just go with it. So there's, two, there's two approaches here. Are you going to be the wise person or are you going to be the foolish person? He says we build on it. So in our society, when it, comes to, um, um, when it comes to us being influencers, and really leadership and influence is about two things. It's about vision, seeing things differently, seeing things that the, a better way of things how they could be, and then values. And here's the thing. We always build the vision upon something, that's, that, that, uh, upon something that we value. And if those values are no good, that house, that building, that picture, whatever it is, will always crumble because the values can't sustain that and withhold that. But if you build on values that will last, values that have been proven, whatever you build upon with those values, it's going to stand, it's going to last because you built upon the right thing. And here's the thing in our society, in America, little by little, we're, we're taking away the values that should be there. And we're voting for things that, that weaken the foundation. And every government that's ever toppled is because their foundation was weak. And little by little, if we're not careful, and we're, we replace good values with, with, with negative values or hurtful values, values that hurt others, It'll always, what, what we build will always crumble and fall. Why? Because we're being foolish, we're not being wise. And when, when we go to the polls, when we, when we go there, we have to be thinking long-term, we have to be thinking of a, a brighter perspective. What does this matter? What does this, what does this do? How, how is this impacting others? Because the question is, do you want to just be right or do you want to be helpful? Do you want to just tell people your opinion? Because here's, here's, here's the, the bad news is nobody cares about your opinion. And your opinion doesn't even count. It doesn't matter, Right? But what does matter, and this is the good part, your vote counts. Opinions don't count. Nobody's going out there counting how many opinions we have because we have a lot of people who have opinions, but when they don't go vote, go vote, it doesn't matter. But those that do vote, their vote counts. And if, if they're voting for values that are contrary to the scriptures, then guess what we get stuck with as a nation? Because those that, don't, that oppose that or have better values don't get out and vote. So we as people need to say, how can I be an, important, how can I be an influence? How can, I, how can I make a difference? Um, what can I do with my life? See, over, throughout, throughout the Bible, as, as you know, we're a Christian church, we're trying to follow Christ's teachings. He's given us these pictures and these stories and these ways to see life. And in fact, it's always, he's always trying to relate to us in ways that we can see bigger than what we actually see. And the first call that he made his disciples, you know what he asked them to do? He said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, come and follow me, I'll make you the next president. Come and follow me. I'll make you the next governor. No, I think he wants to use Christians again in those spots. That's not bad. But his primary goal was not politics and power and who can rule what. His primary goal is saying, I want you to follow me so you can have an influence and an impact on people. Why? Because people matter. People are more important than politics. People are more important than whatever's going on. And his call to them was not, hey, let's go try to fix the Roman government who's, who's ruling over us right now and destroying us. 
That's not, that was not his goal. His goal was, let's go and rescue people who are in the dark. And in our society, 4.5 billion people are lost and don't know Christ. They don't know there's a better way. And they live in that situation all the time. And we'll argue and argue until we're blue in the face about certain things. And we don't really care about everything else that's going on. And God is saying, it's not that those that things doesn't matter. It's just you have to understand there's, there's eternity at stake here. There's something greater that's going on here. Don't lose your, your influence unnecessarily by, by tweeting something, by texting something, by, by saying something that, that's offensive and hurtful. Don't, don't lose that influence, especially over politics. Don't give it up unnecessarily because God is saying, be the salt, be the light. President, President Garfield, James Garfield, he said this in 1877. He says, now more than ever, the people are responsible for the character of the Congress. If that body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it is because the people tolerated ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. If it be intelligent, brave, and pure, it is because the people demand these high qualities to represent them in the national legislature. If the next centennial, next hundred years, which has already passed since he said that, does not find us a great nation, it will be because those who represent the enterprise, the enterprise, the culture, and the morality of the nation do not aid in controlling the political forces. So what he's saying, when our country gets in a situation that's not healthy, whose fault is it? It's the people's fault. Because we didn't do our civic duties of, of making sure that we use our influence and our voice to make sure we get the people that, like he said, should be intelligent, brave, pure. Right? We want those kind of leaders, demand high, high qualities of people that represent us. So we need to be those kind of people. So here's the thing. When it comes to building our, our life and our country and our, and our family, in our marriage, and our, our whatever it is, our business, when you're coming to build upon something, you have this grand vision of what it could be. Make sure that you have a good, they have good values you're building it upon. Because whatever you build, if, it's, if there's not good values, it doesn't matter how pretty it looks, it's going to crumble, it's going to fall. If you have to choose between vision and values, always start with your values first. Go for values. You know, when I say vision, somebody paints this nice picture of what could be and how it looks and what we should be doing. If that vision is not built upon solid values, it will always crumble and will never last. It might be good for a few for a little while, but it will never be good long term. Because vision is just a, a picture of a desired future. But if that, 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 that foundation can't hold that desired future, it doesn't matter how pretty it is, how much promises they make, it will always fall down. But rather, what is the values that we need to build upon? Um, I have a, uh, a pastor that I met from, from Texas, and he was so challenged the fact that as a pastor, he was trying to lead Christians to have influence in, in society, and he found out that only a quarter of Christians sometimes vote. That just bothered him so much, and he felt God was saying, you need to jump into, into this other area to help um, Christians have influence in, in the political realm. Like, we need to be able to, to have, as, as Americans, be able to use our influence to help others. And so he left being a pastor and, and started an organization that's called uh, the Hispanic Action Network. I uh, met with him this, uh, a couple months ago, and he, he uh, just shared his heart for, for us as, as how we can lead uh, people to have influence in our society. And so what they do is they, they, they gather the data of all the different candidates. If you're wondering, like, what does candidates stand for? What do they believe? Um, so I'm going to give you a website. If you want to go to it, you're welcome to. It's just hispanicactionnetwork.com. And then if you click on the thing, it'll give you the New Mexico. It'll show you the, the different people that are running and some of the stances, that, the things they, they believe. And then, then it gives the links to where they said that. So you can actually go track it down for yourself and say, oh, wow, they really said that. Or this is what they believe. Um, and then we begin to pray and say, God, help us to be able to vote in a way that honors you, that says, here's the values that you're asking us to live out. Um, now, he doesn't ask us to tell others they need to live a certain way. We give them the liberty to choose. But he says, if you're following me, there's a way that I want you to live. There's a way I want you to, to lead your, live your life. 
So here's my challenge for today. Lead the way and build on a solid foundation. The secret of influence is how you live. And when you live a poor way, nobody wants to listen to what you have to say. And if you don't live with love, nobody's going to care how, how passionate you are about certain things. But if you live in such a way that when somebody else's life crumbles and they look at you and they say, man, what's, cool? what's different about you? You have the ability to say, let me tell you, my life, my marriage, my family is built on something different. It's a different foundation. It's the values that God asked me to build upon. So lead the way. Build on a solid foundation. Influence, shine, preserve. And then this week, vote. Let your, let your vote be counted. Let your voice be counted. In the middle of praying, say, God, help me to be the, the person that can influence those around me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for, um, for the opportunity to live in a great nation. God, we, um, we don't even know sometimes how great it is, Father God, to be in the country we're in. God, with the many blessings you've given us, God, we've, we apologize and, and we ask for forgiveness where we miss our, our ability to influence the world, influence those around us because we're focused on the wrong thing. God, help us, Lord God, as a nation, Lord God, to uh, just have your help. God, help us to get the right, uh, the right people in the right spots, Lord God, to be able to bring about positive change. And God, I pray for those that have the wrong agenda, Lord God, just to make money, just to get in there and do their own thing and, and build their own kingdom. God, I pray those people will not get in. God, but you'd help us to vote the people that want to make a difference, that want to help those that need the most help. And God, I pray, Lord God, thank you for the religious freedom we've had. God, even as, as that begins to, to be taken away more and more, God, I pray that we would not worry or fret over that, Lord God. We would trust you. We'd live in such a way, God, that the world will look and say, man, there's something different about those people. Help us to live in such a way that we build our lives on a solid foundation that others would look and not just see something good in us, but they would look to you and see that you're behind it. So, God, no matter what goes on, I pray that you would help us to be the people and we'd start in our house. We'd take care of what we're doing. Lead us and guide us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you're here today, you know, I spoke a lot about to, to directly to Christians, and if you're not a Christian, you know, Jesus said a wise person takes his teachings and builds upon that. And if you're not a Christian today, you would say, you know what? As I've listened to you about being an influence, and I want to be that kind of person, I want to be an influencer, um, I would like to invite you just to, to say a prayer with me. Uh, it's a prayer of relationship. See, God says that when, when, when we want a relationship with him, we have to acknowledge and admit that we're out of relationship with him, that we've messed up, that we've sinned, that has taken us away from him. But when we acknowledge that, he invites us into this right relationship with him. And this is a word the Bible uses, righteousness. Um, it, it's being justified with God. And what that means is, is when you ask God to forgive you, it's, it's, it's something changes that it says just as you've never sinned in your life. So justified means right? just as I ne- if I've never sinned before. And God accepts that prayer and accepts that humility that we come with. So today, as, as we give an opportunity for that, would you do me a favor? Close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer if, if you want to pray that. I'm not going to call you to the front, just there in your seat. But if, if you're here today and you would say, that's me, and I want to commit my life to Christ, would you let me know you're here by just raising your hand? Awesome. See your hands. Anybody else? Man, I want to be an influencer. I want to follow Christ. I want to follow his ways. Awesome. I see your hands. That's so great. For you that raise your hand, just would you pray this prayer with me? And if you're a Christian in the room today, would you pray with us so we're not praying alone? If you raise your hand, just say this prayer. Say, Father God, today... I invite you into my life. Would you lead me? Forgive me of my past, of my sin, of going away from you. Today I want right relationship with you. Come into my life. Give me a new start. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross in my place. 
Thank you that he's alive. And because of his life, I have life. So today, I want to follow you. Put my trust in you. Would you lead me? And just now I pray. Amen.